Welcome to the Open to Truth podcast. I'm Clinton. Hey, I'm Tony. Welcome back. This is part two of So You Think You're Rational? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Last time we talked about fallacies of reasoning. When you go to make an argument and you've you flubbed it you up. You flub it. You make a mistake. <laughs> you think you're being reasonable, but you're not. a flaw. Yeah. Today, I want to talk more about our cognitive biases. So, uh, a fallacy is more of like a faux pas. You, you done goofed. You made a mistake. It's like doing a math problem and getting it wrong. But a, a cognitive bias is something just in virtue of having your human brain, the things that it, it tends to do. Yeah. Across populations and cultures, these are activities that your brain kind of unconsciously or subconsciously is engaging in and causes real world effects manifest to the brim. Yeah. Kind of like your uh your autonomic systems in your body, like your stomach. My stomach will just digest it's just, food on its, its own. Doing its thing. My heart's Even just if beating. I thought about it, I cannot stop it from happening. Yeah. Right. You know? It's a totally unconscious process. So you're saying biases are similar in this way? Yes. You, you cannot do anything about them. Well, Is that true? You can't ever change them? They're, uh, in a sense, yes. Like They are always going to be operating. Wow. You can recognize it and uh, put certain measures in place to avoid it, like instituting certain habits. Yeah. Almost like uh, my body is just going to digest food, but I'm going to try to give it the right food right. to work on. To work with I mean, the, the analogy starts system. to break down a little bit. But, yeah. Um, like I have these cognitive biases. I want to be giving it the right information or uh, engaging in the right sorts of habits or activities to downplay its negative effects. And are we saying that everybody has these? Yes. Everybody has cognitive biases. Not all the same cognitive biases. It depends on what your list of them is, but okay. yes, I do like. Uh, well, I have the same ones. Yeah. You don't like that? Oh, I've had trouble. Now I'm having trouble with that. These are some. These are things that you will. How about this? They are biases that you will tend to engage in. I'm not talking about like okay. being a Republican, right? And okay. you want to read right wing sources. Okay. That's a symptom of a greater more meta-level cognitive bias Beautiful. that you have in virtue of being a human being. Okay. So for this first one, we're going to kick it off with some great excitement with an activity. Oh, brilliant. I love when he does activities. <laughs> some of you might be driving. Uh, it's not too complicated. Hopefully you can envision it in your mind. Or, hey, if you want to pull over and get some <laughs> scratch something. paper to work on this with us. Take some time. <laughs> that'd be great. Or do it when you get home. But you'll have to pause because you'll find out the answer at the end. That's true. But in any case, I'm going to pass out some cards to Tony. Okay. I'm going to get exposed in this episode. I really feel like. Uh, oh, you've done this with me. I've, I the, know this that's one. That's the thing. I've done. That's the thing. He's done this with me, and I am I know I'm going to flub it. Uh, okay, so I've handed Tony four cards. Dang it, man. And these cards have a number on one side. And a letter on the other. Okay? A number on one side and a letter on the other. It's a deck of cards. And I've handed four of them out. I see them. Should I read them? No, not yet. Okay. There is a rule, about uh, an, a hypothesis that I have about this deck. And the rule is 
if D, then three. If there's a D, the letter D, on one side of the card, then there will be a three on the other side. That's a rule about this deck. The other rule is that there's a number and a letter on either side. You're never going to have a card with a letter on both sides or right. a number on both sides. Letter and a number. Okay, if D, then three. If D, then three. And so I've handed out four cards face up to him. And in order, do you want to read them out? Yeah. So the first one, I see a D. Okay. Second one, I see a three. The next one, I see an F. And the next one, I see a seven. Okay. So you've been dealt a D, a three, an F, and a seven. The rule is if D, then three. Yep. I want you to tell me how many cards at bare minimum do you have to flip over in order to test the rule? You want to find out, is that rule you said about the deck of cards really true? If D, then three. Mm. I'm not so sure. I want to flip over some of these cards to find out if the rule is true. And so you have to select. I don't want you to pick extra ones that don't need to be flipped. Only pick the ones that you need to flip. Okay. In order to Can test the rule. Can I just walk rule. through my reasoning? Uh, just, well, just give it a second. People are listening. I just kind of, I don't mean to be too repetitive, but just make sure you got it. D, 3, F, and 7 are the cards. You're trying to test if D, then 3. Which of those four do you have to flip over in order to test the rule? Okay, go. Think. I'm just going to walk through my reasoning here. Okay. Okay, I'm just going to do it out loud. I am trying to work out if it is true that when there is a D, there is also a three. Yep. Okay. So my my gut says I really want to flip this D. Okay. And see if there's a three on the other side. Because Why? if there's not a three, the rule is false. That's right. Good job. So I really need that. You need to flip that one. The the next card is a three. I'd, I'm not convinced I need to flip this one. Okay. Wait. I've just become convinced that I might need to. Okay. So my my first thinking was I could flip it and then there's an A. Mm -hmm. That's not a problem because mm -hmm. the rules doesn't say anything about other letters also resulting in a three. It just okay. says that if there is a D, there is a three. All right. Uh, what about this third card then? So the F. Um, and I, am I to take it your word that there will be a number on the other side? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, that seems totally irrelevant to me. Why is that? Because if I flip it, I just don't see how that relates at all to the rule about a D and a three. Okay. Well, I flip it and there's a three. Cool. If I flip it and there's a four, all right. Mm -hmm. What difference does it make to the rule? And that doesn't give me any extra data. I all right. Think. So, And then the seven. Yeah. If I flip that and there's a D, that's a problem for the rule. Okay. Because the, the rule is supposed to be only threes on the back of Ds. Mm -hmm. So initially I was like the minimum I have to flip I have to at least flip this D and see if there's a three. Okay. But now I'm nervous about this seven. Okay. Because there could be a D hiding under there that would disprove the rule. I want you to lock in your final answer. I'm going to flip D and seven. Okay. Uh, the, let me tell you the most common answers. Okay. The most common answer is D alone. Mm. The next common is D and three. Mm. Uh, the next common is all of them. And all these, of them is when, the minimum. <laughs> Got to just figure it all out. And the least common is D and 7. And that is correct. Oh, 
You are correct. Now, he's given to me to this in the past, so I really wanted to think about it carefully there because yeah. I've gotten screwed on this thing so many times. <laughs> I think it's more than once you've given it to yeah. me. And both times I've gotten it wrong. Every time it comes up, I'm like, oh, no, I'm about to embarrass myself. That's funny. Okay. So your reasoning was really good. Um, you were. Can you explain why you were tempted by the three card? Yeah. So initially I was tempted and I, uh, by the three card because, yeah, well, when I say it out loud, it, I realize that it's a false temptation. But if there was some other – there's a temptation to equate um, – the statement if d then three with if three then d absolutely so i wanted to check that three card to see well if there's a letter other than d on the back well what if there was a d then i learned nothing why or well why didn't you check it for a d because all it could do is prove it right correct couldn't disprove it good so what this all shows, it would do is confirm the rule this is called the confirmation bias to flip over that three card is to engage in the confirmation bias. Hmm. You could only ever seek to confirm the hypothesis or the rule by flipping that card. You could not disprove it. Yeah. When you go to test something to find out if it's true, you good, can't good. only... It's it's a problem if your sources are only possibly going to indicate its truth yeah. and not its falsity. Yeah. When you go to test something, there needs to be a genuine openness to it being incorrect or yeah. not correct. Open maybe. to truth, yeah. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so this trips, trips people up a lot to yeah. flip over that three one. Yeah, they're confusing if D then three with if three then D. Let me give you an analogous case and see if... Uh, can I just say how relieved I am? <laughs> my, my heart is racing right now because I was so afraid of embarrassing myself. I've, I'm... More proud of myself than I should be for that. Let me give you a less abstract example, more concrete. Okay. And this time I don't want you to give your reasoning out loud. I just want you to give me the answer oh, and boy. not work through it. Have I had this one before? Perhaps. Okay. I mean, we've known each other for years. So, so these have come up. When I became excited, <laughs> learned about it and was excited, I probably shared it with you. Yeah. Okay. This time, uh, instead of this card business, you are a bouncer at a bar. Okay. And you want to make sure that there's no underage drinking. You're in the U.S., so it's you're, uh, 21 years of age is the legal drinking age. So no one may drink in your bar if they're under 21. And you may drink if you're over 21. Okay. Yes. That is the law. Yes. So you're a bouncer, and so you're, you're tasked with upholding the law. Right now, your bar has four patrons. There is someone drinking beer, and you don't know how old they are. There's someone drinking water, and you don't know how old they are. There's someone clearly over 21, where but you don't know what they're drinking. And there's someone clearly under 21, and you don't know what they're drinking. Who do you, who are the minimum number of people that you need to check? Am I giving silence for the listeners to? Let's give no, them you, a little space. A little. So. Okay. Well, no, you can give. Okay. So I really want to know what the kid under 21 is drinking. Okay. And the dude who is drinking beer, and I don't know how old he is. I want that, to investigate him as well. That is absolutely correct. Yeah. You were able to do that. Much easier than the D3. Why is that? F7. Why? I don't you... know. <laughs> I don't have a good answer for you there. Now, this case is exactly analogous to the card case. There's nothing different about it other than the story. Why is it so much easier with a story? 
there's a given uh there's two variables age and drink yeah and you're given uh each patron has a drink and an age yeah and one variable is mysterious but you were able to very quickly uh you didn't do fall into the cognitive bias or the confirmation bias yeah where, That's weird. I so don't... the cognitive, the confirmation bias selection would have been the clearly over twenty one mystery drink. That's yeah, similar right. to the three card, right? But that wasn't tempting to you at all. Like no. someone being over twenty one, that's fine. They okay. can do whatever. Yeah. A three, okay, it can be it, it whatever. Can do whatever. Yeah. That's so, so interesting how the different texture to that. Yeah. Much so, less intimidating than an abstract puzzle problem. Right. So what this does is it does provide a little bit of hope for us that okay. <laughs> uh, we are better at reasoning when it comes to concrete real-world examples that have impact or import, something that really matters. Yeah. You really want to make sure you're following the law, and so you're going to be uh, especially gifted at um, you know, not falling into confirmation bias. Yeah, You want to really test that rule. That's good. That's useful. I like these brain teasers. Yeah. So the moral of that story is look for disconfirming evidence, not only evidence that can uh, give you the truth of your hypothesis. So hypothesis. does this mean like there is a temptation to only read authors that say the things I you know. agree with? Isn't that something? Only read the people from your camp. Um, would, would this be falling into confirmation bias? I just want to read people who tell me what I already think, kind of. Well, it you know? depends. Uh, so I think certain activities are indexed to a purpose that you have. So okay. I think it depends on what your goal is. I explicitly said in both that your goal is to test the rule or yeah. a hypothesis. And so in that case, you need to adjudicate a choice that has a genuine possibility of disconfirming. Yeah. Now, you might have other goals like pleasure sure honestly i mean yeah, that sounds yeah. stupid but you might just like want to have a fun time reading and it's not fun to have to wrestle through something difficult where you disagree with them yeah so if you're just reading uh yeah for a habit of that's what you do at night to relax then i'm not going to be so mad that you're engaging and only reading things that you agree with yeah we're talking about because it's not particularly fun to have your mind changed right i don't think could be healthy, but but it's... don't trick yourself yeah. into thinking that you have the noble, the seemingly noble goal of uh, getting to the bottom of something or discovering truth, and then only reading the things that could ever confirm right what you already think. Yeah, that's good. That's a good challenge. Okay, it's great confirmation bias. Okay. Uh, the next one, the availability bias, and this is the cognitive bias where. You are more likely to think something is more likely or it's a, a greater trend based on uh, how available it is to you or how often you come across it. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of what you mean concretely. Yeah. So uh, an example would be an, uh, basically any social media, but in particular, I guess, Facebook or Instagram. Uh, most often when you are on those sites, you are seeing the 
highlights of another person's life, right. their high moments. Yeah. Some people do post uh, about their low moments, but it's, I mean, it's far less than the good moments. It's usually great meals, nice vacations, mm-hmm. perfect lives. Yeah, clean room. Clean room. Nobody's posting their messy desks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so that's, that is the data that you have available to you. That's what's readily. made available. That's yeah. all you have. That's what they present to you. And you might have the tendency to think that that's how reality really is or most people are like this when in fact your life doesn't look that way. And so there can be this tendency to think of one's you, sometimes you can walk away from Facebook feeling depressed. Yeah, my life sucks compared to all these people. Yeah. And that's a result. That's a bad outcome of the availability bias. Yeah, interesting. Helpful to be aware that's of. That's a real negative cognitive toll. I wonder how in the world you combat that, at least, you know, just in the realm of social media. Because people aren't, people are only going to post them, post the stuff that makes them look good and makes them feel good when they get likes and thumbs up. Yeah. It would like it would be kind of weird if I did post really mundane stuff mm-hmm. and really sort of doing the dishes and I post that. Yeah. Be, people would think I was weird. So like yeah. I was saying and we might quibble about this like I guess I didn't think too long about that claim that everyone has these cognitive biases. I think they do. And so you you can't avoid the that tendency. It's mm. a tendency. It's a tendency. And uh but what you can do to combat it is build in habits uh, to stop yourself from being taken in by it. So, for instance, let's say you are, you know, usually I'm like scrolling on social media when I'm going to the bathroom. <laughs> yep. And so one practice could be like when you sit down or whatever situation you're in uh, where you're looking at social media, just take like before you turn on your phone, uh, Say out loud yourself why you're going on Facebook. Wow. Look at that. I'm going on to read political news. Okay? And I'm going to scroll past crap that people post about meals. Or <laughs> or I'm going... And so now that you've heard this about availability bias, I'm going on just to leisurely look at any and all things that I find interesting. Mm. And I'm not going to make any uh, claims about what people's lives are like yeah so just even being like really clear just aware with yourself it. yeah um it could be a, a helpful practice moving forward great a little bit of mindfulness goes a long way <laughs> it's brilliant okay here's kind of a interesting one the peak end rule have you heard of this peak end rule no peak I don't think so. dash end rule no so this is the tendency to evaluate an experience based on the peak of it like the most uh, intense moment yeah and the end of it and the end of it those are the two salient features and how you'll judge an experience that's so interesting i i guess i don't i would need some examples for me of this because for me i i think about definitely i can recognize the peak that Mm -hmm. i evaluate experiences based on but i don't know how often i'm thinking about the end and maybe this is something that's happening unconsciously but um, can you give an example? Of yeah, so they this? did some studies on this where um, to test this as a hypothesis. Okay. And they, what they did was people were having like, not like crazy surgeries, but like maybe like inpatient, or what's it called? Outpatient? Outpatient. <laughs> Outpatient. 
inpatient. Like little surgeries or something. We're not under like heavy anesthetics, but they're yeah. like doing stuff to you that's kind of painful, let's say. Or you're at the dentist and you're getting a root canal or yeah. whatever it is. Uh, and how do I, let me sure I phrase it right. People were more likely to say that they had a less painful overall experience when the session was made artificially longer by the doctor doing random, pointless, small, painful things instead of ending in a crescendo of pain. Wow. So so there's two there's two groups. One group had the normal uh surgery or whatever or the activity that was painful where like it ramped up toward the end and like ripped out the tooth and, and whatever it done. is. And that that was it. Uh and they all rated their experience as worse than the group who did exactly the same thing, but then there was five extra minutes of him kind of kind of poking your gums <laughs> with slight pain. Who signs up for these studies, man? <laughs> well, no, they don't. They don't know. Oh, they don't know. Oh, that's crucial. Yeah, that's blind. Well, I mean, yeah, but even when you sign up for studies, they set them up in such a way that you don't know when you're participating in it. Yeah. But they didn't. Are you telling me that a dentist just did this to people? Unwilling, it just started poking I'm around. I'm the dentist it. part. It's, oh, okay, All right. but there is like something like that. Yeah, that's interesting. Or they purposely did non-medicinally valuable, just causing pain for a yeah, little while, but small pain. Yeah, little so that pain. The end was less dramatic. That is interesting. Yeah, and so it works in the reverse too, and we see this all the time in like a church service. Yeah. Oh we, yeah. Oh yeah. What, like, Tell me. You are. You're you're better off focusing your, your punchline or emotive energy into the end. Oh yeah. Of a session. Yeah yeah yeah. You mean like you're delivering a sermon, you don't want it to fizzle out. Right. You got to finish strong. Or just an overall church service. Let's say, you yeah. want it to end on a really smashing note. Yeah. That will. That'll give rise to more reports of positive experiences than mm -hmm. like a sustained, pretty good experience. Yeah. As long as there's <laughs> a so really crashing end, like a, a high note. Yeah. Um, then you'll get more reports of positivity. That is very interesting. Alongside a peak. Yeah. You need a peak yeah. somewhere in there. There is this kind of ebb and flow that we want. Mm -hmm. We want to finish on a crescendo. Weird. So I think that's kind of again. I'm not familiar with that. That's cool. That's interesting. I thought of one that I don't know if it has a name. Yeah, but I think it does. Okay, but maybe you know more about it than I do. Tell me. But recency bias. Yeah. So I don't know if that was one that you were going to bring up, but and I the example I'm about to give, mm -hmm. I don't know if is <laughs> part of recency bias, but I can think of two examples. One is for sure your kids. If you ask them, you know what they want for dinner. And you offer four suggestions, they will pick the last one, right? Because it's the only one they remember. <laughs> yeah. But um, but like if you go shopping for a new car, or like you kind of shopping for a house, and so that's kind of percolating in your mind. I notice more you for see, sale signs. You see them yeah. everywhere. Sometimes, as, I mean, yeah, we can. It doesn't totally matter about the names of them. Like okay. sometimes it's called the observational bias. Observational bias. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you. Those houses have been there. For sale signs have been there forever, mm -hmm. you know, on various the houses. The recency bias is more like uh, it's the tendency to consider a an event or a saying um, as more significant based on 
how recently you've heard of it hmm. when in fact uh it could have already been kind of a long-standing thing that had importance apart from you experiencing it recently right. okay yeah yeah that's good um yeah so observational bias is maybe what i was pointing to yeah uh and so we have to be careful too as like maybe like particularly in the theist camp yeah that are prone to assigning events to divine intervention or the holy spirit is highlighting things to you and like you're noticing things that you wouldn't and you're attributing it to the spirit's movement or is it your unconscious mind (laughs) just noticing things more yeah Yeah. like i've seen the word joy pop up seven times today and it's like oh well did you recently do a devotional on joy and it's kind of percolating in the unconscious mind And now that's like a 3D glasses you're bringing to the movie theater to watch your 3D movie. Yeah. Do you have a joy, the word joy glasses? You've got a filter. That you're noticing that it's, more. It's standing out. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Someone gave me an almond joy. <gasps> oh, okay. <laughs> well, you're just noticing joy. Yeah. Uh, Which is, that's good. Notice yeah. joy. Mm-hmm. Live in it. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> Participate in it. All for joy. Yeah, well, that's all I had for today on the cognitive biases there's a bunch more that we could talk about um just poke around on wikipedia wikipedia and stuff and look at the descriptions it's pretty interesting not all of them have that feature of being something that the entire human race has and suffers from yeah (laughs) um but i think it's cool to like try to you know find out whether your judgments that you're making really are rational in nature yeah can your intuitions be trusted not always yeah yeah if you have any comments about cognitive biases uh think that i've misdescribed them or you think i'm wrong about the answer to that card puzzle at the beginning please <laughs> write in that'd be great that would be great um you can reach us at open truth podcast at gmail.com uh feel free to visit our new Podbean page and become a follower to that that's kind of going to be the new hub for our episodes can still find it on itunes and spotify uh but podbean podbean doesn't require you to sign in to anything yeah super easy to listen so that's handy uh all right until next time all right we'll see you next time thank you see you bye